This is the KPMG Investment Management Perspectives Podcast, and today we're going to hear why we expect to see increased regulatory focus on ESG and sustainable investment products. Hello, and welcome to KPMG Investment Management Perspectives. Today we're talking about top regulatory issues that asset managers should be thinking about regarding ESG and sustainable investing. I'm Tanya Carnegie, Global Lead for Private Equity and Asset Management for KPMG Impact. Joining me today is my colleague, Matt Giordano, who is Deputy Practice Leader for KPMG Public Investment Management. And I'm really um, so excited to be chatting with you today, Matt, um, in particular with your former role with the SEC as a Chief Accountant of the Division of Investment Management. So, so Matt, let's just jump right in. You know, what are those key regulatory issues that asset managers should be thinking about around this ESG and sustainable investing space? Thanks, Tanya. And I would start off by just thinking about who is the number one regulator when it comes to looking at the financial statements or or regulating around ESG for funds, and that's the SEC. So from a high-level standpoint, I would start off by saying registered funds typically don't receive additional scrutiny or additional benefits just because they have sustainability or ESG in the name of the fund. An ESG fund is essentially treated like any other fund. So if you're going to launch an ESG or a sustainability fund, the SEC staff would expect the fund to disclose the principal investment strategies and the principal investment risks. of an ESG or sustainability fund, just like they would for an emerging markets fund or a technology fund or an S&P 500 fund. So there really is no special treatment there. Okay, that's a good uh, a good place for us to start. Yeah, and, and when it comes to disclosure, I think it's very important to be clear how the advisor will use ESG or sustainability as part of its investment strategy or its, its investment process, really. Um, we see the SEC staff dig into the term sustainability in ESG and ask the advisor what they mean by the term uh, sustainability or ESG quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially because th- there is no global definition. So the SEC wants to understand and wants to make sure investors understand what factors the, the advisor or the fund considers when investing. Are they weighting these ESG factors more towards uh, social factors or environmental factors? And um, really, if it's an ESG overlay strategy as well. So if it's an S&P 500 fund with an ESG overlay strategy, just detailing that disclosure in that process is is very important to investors. Mm, That's really important to consider. Hey, Matt, let me ask you, we've been hearing a lot about the names rule. Can you go into a bit of a uh, bit of detail about that? Sure, Tanya. You know, we spent a significant amount of time on the names rule in general when I was on the staff. So, so this is true to my heart here. Um, when it comes to including sustainability or ESG in the name of the fund, the names rule has been and will continue to be a tricky issue again because there's no standard naming convention here. So the as a little bit of a background, right, the SEC staff will impose an 80% names rule test if there's a type of investment, an industry, or a geography that's included in the name of the fund. What it doesn't do is impose this test if there is if it's a strategy or a policy. So that that's a little bit different. So 
Interestingly enough, funds deal with this in different ways. There are some fund complexes who tend to treat ESG as a strategy and don't believe that there should be an 80% names rule test. And then there, there are others that typically view this as an investment type versus strategy. Uh, I think my personal view is that it seems to be a strategy and wouldn't need the test. But the way the SEC looks at it now is if you launch a fund with ESG or sustainability in the name, they will ask you or they will comment for an 80% test. It appears that they're not accelerating filings if you don't have a names rule test. But if you if you wait, um, you won't be an accelerated filing, but you can wait and be declared effective automatically if it's not part of the name, which, again, I find interesting, but that's that's what we're seeing in practice. I'll also say if you have a names rule, I almost think of this as kind of names rule light. And that's because the the terminology that's being used around the names rule is pretty squishy. So it'll say the advisor believes that the portfolio investments are consistent with ESG principles or something to that nature. Um, so it's not kind of that typical names rule test that you would see. Okay. No, that's that's really, um, we'll definitely be watching this space. Hey, another space that I know has been um, top of mind and uh, an area where asset managers have been under increasing scrutiny is around how they vote their proxies. Yeah, yeah. so this is an interesting area, and, and I think this will continue to get scrutiny because this is how people get visibility into what's going on with with the fund and, and management. So as part of the voting proxy process, you have to file form NPX. And there are a number of advisors that are touting ESG, but when you solely look at the way that they voted, it, it appears that they're just supporting management. And I think the problem with mm-hmm. that is that there are a number of of funds who interact directly with management. So I would say from a voting proxy standpoint, it's something to be cognizant about and to see how the, how, how you look as a fund group or an advisor and how you are supporting management. But I would also tell folks and really disclose to folks that there are other ways besides voting that we, that we connect and work with management. And I think you should make that, that clear. And that's critical because, of course, you know, asset managers do have, um, you know, really in-depth engagement strategies. But as you say, it's just not generally visible to, to the general public. Um, so, it's, so it's understandable why they might uh, jump to the conclusions that they do about just, uh, you know, supporting management. Hey, another question that I have for you is around um, the, the Department of Labor rule. You know, that certainly uh, caused a great uh, bit of a stir last year. Where do you see things heading with that? Yes, it, it, it totally did. And what I find interesting is from a political standpoint, a lot is going to change, right? We have a new administration coming in. There is a big focus on the DOL rule, but there were some changes uh, from the DOL rule as it relates to ESG. And if you think about the way that the DOL rule was proposed, it included the term ESG. The final rule scrubbed the term ESG out. But the way that the rule works, and this is coming from an accountant, a a non-attorney, so this is not legal advice, but the way that I would think about this is the DOL kind, and through ERISA, has these fiduciary duty standards that really focus on a pecuniary standard. And when you're 
selecting investments for ERISA plans, the decisions have to be made on pecuniary factors. So if a fund is subject to ERISA, you can't prioritize non-financial metrics over financial metrics. There's this fiduciary duty of the advisor to focus on kind of the risk return profile instead of you know, what's better for, for the environment or social type issues. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens under this new administration. Well, and, and this, of course, is where, um, you know, your, your earlier point about, you know, the lack of definitions, the, you know, the lack of standard criteria really comes to bear. Because, of course, many asset managers view, you know, consideration of ESG factors as being, you know, material to a company's operations. So very much linked to financial performance. Um, and, and I think this is an area where we'll definitely be watching um, and see what happens over the coming months, but, but a really important uh, opportunity for clarification here. Yeah, I, I agree. And when I think about the DOL rule, it, there is certainly a little bit of a, some squishiness, I'll call it, in the rule. And, and, and that's because there is a view and there are some data to support that if you are selecting companies that focus on ESG or sustainability type factors that they can and in many instances do perform as well or better than other companies. So it's interesting. We'll see where that goes. One uh, final uh, issue that's uh, top of mind for me and I'm sure a number of people who are are listening is um, from an inspections perspective, what are the kinds of things that the SEC is prioritizing? Therefore, you know, what are the kinds of things that asset managers should be really focusing on? Yeah, so th- there were some pretty big SEC sweeps that came out. This was probably about a year and a half ago um, when the SEC was just doing a large sweep uh, for asset managers who invested in ESG. And their main concern is what you'll hear termed as greenwashing, right? And they, they should yeah. be. And I think this new administration will even be more focused on greenwashing. So when you think about the sweeps and what came out of the sweeps, we saw a number of deficiencies, and most of them were over the policies and procedures around ESG investing. We haven't seen any big enforcement cases, but that doesn't mean that they won't come. Um, When I try to give people advice, the way that I think about whether it's ESG investing or other investing um, in the disclosure and policies and procedures, it's essentially say what you do and do what you say. So when I say, when I, what I mean by that is when you say what you do, talk about how you're investing and then do what you say. So ensure that your policies and procedures are in line with what you're disclosing and what you're telling investors. And that can usually keep you safe. And I I used to work with uh, an attorney at the SEC who would say, well, you can't disclose away fraud, right? And we're like, well, that's not what we're saying, but just make sure that your policies and procedures are in line with the way that um, you're you're telling people that you're investing, and it, it certainly keeps folks out of trouble. That's great, Matt, and I think really uh, good advice for us to wrap up uh, this session on. Uh, thank you to to all of you for watching. Stay tuned uh, for future videos. In, in the meantime, we would love to hear from you and and welcome your questions. Uh, please feel free to reach out to Matt, myself, or other members of our team. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to KPMG's Investment Management Perspectives podcast. 
For more information, visit listen.kpmg.us forward slash IM Perspectives. And be sure to subscribe to this series to be notified of new episodes 